welcome to the Crash the Pond podcast. It is an April 25th edition of the pod. And on today's show, we've got a... What's the word I want to use here? Do I want to lose everyone right up front? I won't. I won't. We've got an addition, a third banana on the show, CJ Woodling. Making his triumphant wow. return. Somehow you did it. You made it worse. <laughs> Somehow you made it worse. I feel like third banana is a, a fitting one. Um, live from Reno, our, our Nevada correspondent. How, As I was telling d- them, the, the Nevada Ducks correspondent is arguably the most useless media position in the Ducks organization. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, unless you're reporting on Robin Leonard, then we all want to know. Um, but yeah, I think that overall, it's. Uh, I think this might be our first... Our first time, or one of the few times we've had someone on this show that's not actually in California. So hopefully hopefully the crossing state lines internet connection holds up. I think the last time we would have would have been Julie Stewart Binks. Yeah. Yeah. And then before that, um, why am I spacing on her name? Kat Silverman. So, or yeah. Byron Bader. I don't remember which one was first. Anyway, it's been a while. We've got much to discuss, much to discuss. I don't think we should really waste any time here and just get right into it unless, I don't know, you want to talk about the weather or something. I'd rather get into the meat of it. Ryan Getzlaff, final home game has been final. I mean, the, the, the chapter is now closed on his career and it was really, it was really an emotional night seeing just the pregame ceremony, the, the postgame ceremony, the, the interviews, his speech. I guess we'll start with you, Jake. What was what was your react like? How did you oh, experience oh. this? Let, let's start with just let's start with just because I think to me all that like all that really matters. I don't want to say all that really matters, but the the main part of all of this was after the game, the post game. As as yeah. you saw, as you saw, like when did it hit you? I guess that Ryan Getzlaff isn't going to be an Ooh. Anaheim Duck anymore. You know what? It honestly was maybe an hour or two before the game. Um when they the ducks posted that video of him walking down the tunnel and for those that they missed it the get there the the ducks posted a video of when ryan getzloff came into the arena he basically went down a, a hallway and was surprised by a bunch of uh, i think it was whether it was a mixture of season seat holders and fans and people from the cure duchene uh, uh foundation some of the kids from there a big foundation that has been a big part of his life and then kind of also at the end of the tunnel were uh, Dallas Akins, a bunch of the coaches, and then the Samuelis. And I think just kind of seeing that, um, that's when it really hit me. I, I think seeing that, seeing him hugging the kids, seeing him, I mean, as dumb as it sounds, seeing him hug the Samuelis. Because, I mean, you got to think about it. They've, I don't know if you, I mean, who knows what their personal relationship has been with Getzloff, but you got to imagine that there's a pretty close relationship there with him essentially growing up underneath them. Yeah. Um, him going from a 20, 21 year old into 30, 30, what, 37 year old. Is that how old he is now? I'm spacing off the top of my head. Mm. But regardless, he grew up under, under their guys. And you have to think that he probably went to them with some things and uh, was the face of their franchise. Yeah. And so I think that's when it really hit me was that moment. And I, I had my ins and outs throughout the game. I think the first moment of truly, truly being emotional, though, during the game was that final three minutes. The, yeah. the We'll get into it more, but that assist. That assist was, was the moment when, when it hit me of everything kind of coming together and, and really kind of uh, 
I don't know. It, it really just kind of hit me of this is his final moment. This is uh this is a storybook ending. Yeah. CJ, how did you experience it? When did it hit you that this that this ride is over? Is, is oh. CJ here? We may have CJ lost him frozen. For a quick, we may have lost him for a quick second. <laughs> I am here. My AirPods lost connection. Okay. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. Uh, CJ, how Sorry, how when did it hit you that Ryan Getzlaff was not coming back? It actually took a while. It took until probably the end of the game when it actually finished, and you know they kind of cleared off all the San uh, the um, St. Louis Blues came up were congratulating him, giving handshakes, hugs, and everything. And I think really the the kind of breaking point with me where I legitimately started crying a little bit was when they started announcing Getzloff as all three stars. Like, as soon as they did, I was like, they've got to be doing him all three stars. And as soon as they did third star, 17, and I immediately just lost it. Like, I, <laughs> I was out. That was it. Damn. Okay. Well, yeah, I mean, for me, because... Of course, everyone knows this, but I don't. I'm not an actual Ducks fan. I don't cheer for the team to win or anything like that. But having watched Ryan Getzlaff play for years now, and just as a fan of the sport, I think seeing a, a legend, a figurehead of a franchise, a guy who's only ever played for one team, to see him go out like that, I remember. I think it may have actually been. It may have actually been the assist for me when the when he when he pulled that off the the behind the back to Henrique who scores, it kind of hit me. Oh, wow. This guy's still really good. And we're not, we're just not going to see that anymore. We're like, this is just completely over. And so I don't know. I will say this though, just overall on the night, I'm just really happy for Ryan Getzlaff. I think that it's so rare for any athlete to have first off to be able to go out on their own terms. Yes. Secondly, to, to have to have a night like that, that's all about them, where you're able to bring in the people that helped get you there, that, that helped you get through it, right? Because it's not just about getting you to the NHL, it's actually getting through the career and and being able to thrive during that. So to, for him to be honored like that, for him to have the the entire night be about him and just the way that he handled it, so so classy as always, I'm just really happy for him. I'm really happy for everyone involved that, that he got to do it this way, that he didn't, he's not leaving the NHL kind of limping out of the door that he's, he's going to be going out in one piece and everyone's already talking about what he's going to do next. I guess, Jake, what is your, what is your guess as to what the future awaits for, for Getzlaff? Oh, I think management. Uh, he's basically even said, I, he had that interview on 32 thoughts. And he mentioned coaching isn't something that interests him. It's not something that really he finds interesting. It's not something he really can see himself doing. But the management side, building a roster, that that's what intrigues him. And so I don't think he probably jumps right in. I, I think a big part of retirement, and he even said this, is he's a big family guy. And mm-hmm. not he's being able literally to, got a big family. So yeah, <laughs> and not being able to be there for all of his kids' birthdays and everything like that, and and that has to be hard. I mean, that's one of the personal elements or the human elements of being a professional athlete that you really can't discount. That you miss the, those major milestones, you miss the birthdays, you miss all that stuff. And so I think he probably at least will want to take a year and probably just be a dad. I I think that that and he's what he deserves that he deserves to do whatever he wants and if that's what he wants to do then completely understand and he should definitely do that i think he's someone though that has an itch to be around the game 
Mm-hmm. And I think maybe not next year, but the year after. I mean, the Ducks have already said that there's an open invitation for him to join the uh, the the front office in whatever in whatever manner he wants. And so maybe that is something he starts doing next year and, and just does in a very limited role that allows him to still be around his family and not take him away from that, but allows him to stay involved in the game. Or it might be something that they wait on and, and he waits a year on. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess for you, CJ, how... I guess how important is it to you that that gets laugh sticks around? Because to me, I think that everyone's kind of rushing to, you know, and, and I'm sure it's rightfully so. Like clearly, he's a guy who thinks the game very well. But everyone's kind of rushing to give him that that next. Like, what's he gonna do next? And I feel like we need to maybe just, you know, like does it even have to matter? I guess is my question. Well, it, I, I don't think it matters. First off. Getzloff doesn't owe us or the organization really anything at this point in time, right? He has given literally his entire career as, you know, arguably the greatest player in franchise history. He has earned the choice to do whatever the hell he wants. If that's a year worth of, you know, just being a dad, if that's five, 10 years worth, if he doesn't want anything to do with the game of hockey again, like fantastic, like that is his prerogative. And I don't think anybody can fault him for that. Um, now I'm the type of person and we've, we've had conversations about this where I'm definitely the kind of person where um I do hesitate when you automatically give a um, front office spot or a coaching spot to a player, to like a player's legend. We've seen that lead to a bunch of issues. We see it with the Oilers like crazy. We saw it um, to some extent in Vancouver with Jim Benning. We we saw it all over the place. But Getzloff is very much a... I think he's a bit of a special case and a bit of a different case where he has left such a massive impact on this franchise, not just on the ice, but off the ice as well. And even within the front office, within the coaching, um, he's a giant within the organization and everybody, or at least most people by all accounts, respect what he has to say. He's very clearly a very smart and intelligent hockey player who could read the game, who knew the game, who I think has a mind for the modern game. Um, so I think all of that lines up to him being like, okay, th- he could fit very well in the Ducks front office and have a very significant positive impact. Will he for sure? Is that a guarantee? Of course not. He could be terrible. And we saw, you know, like Wayne Gretzky, for instance, be a terrible coach, you know, with the Arizona Coyotes. It's not a given, but given his resume before and given kind of what he means to this franchise. I think if he wants that spot to be involved in the organization at the management level, he's got it. And I think he's already done quite a bit to earn that. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think for me with, with Getzlaff, he's always struck me as one of those guys who's really good behind the scenes, um, just at kind of managing relationships and getting through to guys. And he just carries so much respect. Everyone that you hear talk about him has only positive things to say. And I do think that it's, it's hard. It's just hard to know. And, and, you know, everyone kind of wants to rush to say, Oh, will he be on the development side? Will he be on the management side? And it's just, we have no idea what this guy is going to be like as an NHL executive. He's, he's literally never done it. Um, of course he understands the actual sport, but it's a completely different beast to be on the management side. And we've seen people, with no playing experience or no pro playing experience thrive on that side and, and other people with great experience, like you said, the, the greatest player ever in, in Gretzky 
struggle. So I'm in no rush to see him do that. I just hope that he enjoys his retirement. I love I loved the video with his kids oh, after yeah. the game. It was great. That was so funny. Um, that was perfect. But yeah, I mean, Jake, do you does it matter to you at this point? Kind of what what he does, you know, in terms of like with the team, like the timeline on that? Um, not really. I, I, I don't really think it matters to me at all. I mean, I think it would be cool to have him involved in the organization, but mm-hmm. I don't necessarily think it's something I think about really at all. I, right. I think for now, um, that's kind of on the, the back burner, honestly. I, I think there's just more pressing topics for this franchise, for this franchise to move forward. I think, honestly, the next thing for Ryan Getzloff is when does number 15 go in the rafters? I think that's a more interesting conversation Ooh. than than, uh, than if he joins the front office because that that's a fan thing. Um, but let me ask you this. Did you get emotional at all during the game, seeing as you're asking all the questions? So I'm throwing it back at you. Yeah, well, I... It actually kind of hit me. So it hit me more so the night before against LA when, you know, there was when he had the the hugs with Kopitar, Dustin Brown and the different guys in the Kings. It kind of hit me. Oh, wait, like this is actually happening. Like he's he's leaving. Yeah. And then because we all kind of knew what the game at Honda Center would look like. We, we had that. We, we kind of knew what to expect in terms of the ceremony. But then. In LA, I, I didn't expect quite as much there, and I mean, I guess I should have expected more. But just kind of realizing, oh, this is actually happening. He's leaving. That was a bit of a shock. And yeah, I mean, if I, I you know, I'm not like just a, a cold some ro- people, some, robot. Some people might think you are. <laughs> uh, people absolutely think that, and I think it. I think when he was skating around, kind of waving goodbye, that w- that's when it was just like, oh man, this is this is too much. I, I got to yeah. look away from the screen right now um, because I mean, I've, I've said this over and over on the, on the podcast, but Ryan Getzlaff is still really good. You know, he's still, a yeah. contr- he's still a guy. I mean, look at the assist and I, people are going to point out that assist the whole way through, but look at his stats this season. He's been a key contributor for this team. And it's not just because they're a middling team. He's still a guy who can help a contender. I mean, he could easily go the Corey Perry route and, and, kind of, you know, jump around teams and be a contributor there, but he's he's still a lot better than Perry even still. And so I don't know, there's just something about a guy going out when he's still got it. He's still got his fastball that's even harder for me to grasp. Because, you know, I mean, for example, like when a recent example of a guy retiring that comes to mind is like Patrick Marlowe and the whole, you know, all the all the ceremonies he got and all the flowers he got, and it's like he was cooked. I mean, he was beyond done. He, I mean, he was basically milk riding it out for the the Ironman streak or whatever games played streak. Um, but with Getzlaff, it's quite the opposite. Like this is a guy who can still play, and I think now that the the question for me becomes what this roster is going to look like next season. I know that we should probably spend more time talking about Getzlaff and what he's done, but that's. That's where my mind is going, at least. It's yep. just what comes next. And I, and I think a, a good transition point is to talk about the game and that assist specifically. Yeah. Because, I mean, is there anything either of you wanted to bring up about the pregame ceremonies or anything along those lines? I don't think I've got anything on the pregame. No. I mean, I the only thing I, really... Go ahead. I was just going to say, I think it was very well done, Jake, as you said on, on Twitter to, you know, giving... Um, props to Bally, to the Ducks, to everything like, 
you know, I'll be honest, we, I, me specifically, not, I don't know about you guys, but, you know, I've, I've definitely been critical of kind of the production that the Ducks put on, the in-arena production, the TV production, you know, I, I've definitely had my critiques of it, but um, everything that they did for Getzloff, all the videos, the hype, the, 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 the ceremony, the, everything, was just so well done and I don't know if I could think of them, you know, being able to do a better job. The 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 pregame ceremony was fantastic. Obviously the postgame ceremony that we talked about, everything was just perfect. Well I also want to give them credit on this. They they also added an extra half hour on their pregame show and basically just made it on essentially bringing in all the former players that were there and just sitting down and talking to them. They they had Emerson Edom on. They had uh they had Ken Huskins. They had Sean O'Donnell. They had all these different people from the very different time. Because you think about how many years Ryan Getzloff covered for this franchise, right? There's so many different iterations of this team, from the Stanley Cup champion team to kind of that that weird little lull that came afterwards with the the Lubomir Vishnovsky. and then you also had the the time after that with the 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 Kyle Palmieri, the Emerson Edom, the the Cam Fowler, that kind of generation coming up through it, and then going into this current one, and you think about all those different players all those different types of players that all were influenced by him and saw him and whether it's a sean o'donnell that was an elder statesman on the team and saw this young guy come in and start to become a, a force whether it's a kent huskins that played with him in portland when they were kids and, and then came into the nhl and played kind of as his uh as uh his same uh age and that same type of player, whether and whether it was an Emerson Edom who was a guy that came into the league and he came in when Getzloff was a captain already. Getzloff was a captain when Edom came onto the team. And to have all these different perspectives of Getzloff's career, I think was a fascinating and I don't know if they did that on purpose. I, I hope they did, but it gave you just the the different um different viewpoints uh, of his career. And and I think that that was I something I really, really appreciated. Yeah. Absolutely. And I mean, one thing, one thing that I've pointed out after the game, which I feel like for whatever reason, I got a, I got a decent amount of pushback, which I didn't expect. Um, but I think, I think that Ryan Getzlav has left the ducks in a better, like he's left this franchise in a better position than when he came into it. Right. 100%. If If you, if you compare the status of the franchise now to where it was when he was drafted, and when he entered the league, I think it's kind of night and day. I mean, they've won a Stanley Cup. They had a long run of success with a playoff success of regular season success. And sure, they didn't win another one with him as the captain. And the last three years were, were pretty lean. But overall, I mean, the team level success that Getzlaff had throughout his entire career was very, very high. Yeah, I saw some of that pushback to you. Most of that pushback was on people that were very focused on the the current day state of the team. Yeah, and mis- I, I, missing, I think... missing the forest for the trees with your statement. Yeah, exactly. Because of course, if you were to just compare today to how the team is right oh, five oh six, right? Then yeah, sure. Although even then, I don't know. Like if you were to really go back, but the the whole point is that when you co- compare the totality of what he's done and how it adds up compared to where they were at that time. I think there's just a different level. There's a different level of respectability. Is respectability a word? Yes. I need to double check. Yeah. Okay. Well, see, CJ should be the one to talk, not me. I'm not there's the a, word. There's a, there's a, there's a different it's a word. You're good. There's a different level of respectability that the Ducks as a franchise, to me, 
have now that they didn't have before Ryan Getzlaff was a member of the team. And and, and I th- I think part of that can maybe be attributed to the Samuel he's taking over, but yeah. you can't you cannot uh, discount the impact that he had, and it can be can be a bit of both in, in this situation. And I think that that's where you're going. I mean, look at the look at the grassroots uh, or uh, yeah. situation for the Ducks and how that, far that, it's going. That's part of my equation, by the way. Yes, like the the Ducks had one single rink at that point in time. They had Anaheim Ice, and that was it. And they've gone on and they've bought all these different rinks. They well, that was when Disney owned it, and then they've bought all these rinks. Had this grassroots program, have the learn to plays that were built underneath Getzloff and Perry, have everything like that, and where hockey's at. And Getzloff was at the forefront of all of that. And so while Temu Temu and and Korea were essentially built the foundation, Getzloff and Perry, and obviously specifically Getzloff in this situation, built the house. Yeah, yeah, and that matters so much because now. You see with all of the the talent that's come out of Southern California in the last 10 years, I think there's a pretty strong correlation with with everything they've done in the community. To re- I mean, to me, that's kind of the ultimate testament to what they did is the fact that the sport, not just that the team benefited and that the team had success and that he had success and got really rich, but also just that the fact that the sport grew, that people's lives improved by participating in the sport. Um, that's that you can't really have a higher praise than that i would say yeah his impact is insane obviously off the ice but to your point felix about kind of like the respectability of the franchise i think a good way to frame that for people is you look at a lot of these you look at the original six teams you look at a lot of the canadian teams and you look up another rafters and you just see legend after legend after legend you see this mythos these uh these absolute titans of the game who have been immortalized and who are practically worshipped um throughout these fan bases right you know you've got people like gordy house uh um, steve eiserman in detroit wayne gretzky obviously in edmonton um you've got so much of this and you know the the ducks have had that you know to some extent they've had salani korea um you know niedermeyer to a little bit of a smaller extent but having Getzloff is just, it's another legend. It's another icon who is immortalized really forever in Anaheim, whose entire career is inextricably intertwined with Anaheim. And he is the Anaheim Ducks. He is the modern incarnation of the Anaheim Ducks, even in his retirement until, you know, very soon, hopefully Zegris and and co are going to take over that mantle. But um, it adds that just extra, air of um icons of of aura of myth to the franchise that all the best franchises have yeah yeah and i think that's a good point because if you if you think i mean before the game before the the ducks game yesterday i was watching the canadians game and the pregame ceremony or the pregame i guess memorial for Guy Lafleur, and it's one of the craziest things i've ever seen and i'm not saying at all that the, that the ducks have maybe legends of that ilk but that's how franchises are built over time is you have, like you said, these icons, you have these pillars in the franchise history that kind of make up the bigger story of the franchise. And I think now what's really cool is with Getzlaff retiring, you ha- you can now add his place to that, like you said, to that mantle. And you can draw a straight line all the way back to the beginning of the franchise and the original stars and now there's this awesome opening for whoever's going to be next, whether it is Trevor Zegers, whether it's, 
you know, Mason McTavish or whoever, now the door is wide open, but there's, there's this very cool kind of chain link that they have that they can latch onto and that they got to learn from. Also, I do want to point out, uh, Jake, I don't know, or I don't know if either of you caught this, but as they were taking the group photo on the ice at center ice post game, John Oller said, uh, greatest duck of all time regarding he did. Ryan he did. Yeah, he did. Does, does, does John Oller's listen to crash the pond? Is, he is, might, or is he just, yeah, John I think he's, just a, he's just on the right side of history. I think. Yeah. Big, big W, big W for John Oller's. Yeah. Right there. I, that, that, like, that was, I, that was I, a big W. I feel like with Oller's specifically, like how long has Oller's been with the team? Like Oh five. Oh, I Hayward, know, I know, was from the beginning, but Allers, All, I, Aller, no, Allers is like early 2000, like 01 or 02 or something like oh, that. Oh, okay. Well, like, you know, with him, we you, have know, the All got, <laughs> you know, he, I think that with Allers specifically, he got to call Getzloff's entire career. And you have somebody like Hayward who had, um, you know, the prime Solani and Korea years and Allers may have come in, you know, near the kind of the end of that, maybe not even with, with, with 0203. So oh two oh three. So he got like one two what one year of Korea, essentially, of Korea. and and nothing of Solani until Solani came back. Like he saw Ryan Getzloff's career from start to finish. So it doesn't really surprise me at all that he would consider him to be the greatest you know player in Ducks history just because of his involvement with the franchise and the timeline lining up for that. Yeah, and I think it's funny because I think the last time CJ was on here or maybe one of the last times we were talking, we were having that, that conversation. Oh, that's right. It was when I was on my trip. Yeah. Jake was on his trip to to Philly on the East coast, I should say. And we had that conversation of the greatest duck of all time. And I think I want to make good now. I want to make amends for what I said at the time. Oh, 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 you've come to my side. Don't give up. Well, don't stand down. Backbone Felix. (laughs) No, at the time, I said that I think I could see the case for either one. And by either one, I mean, because the, the main debate is between Timo Solani or Ryan Getzlaff. And I think now, upon further review, upon reflection, I think it's just unquestionably Ryan Getzlaff. Yes. Like, like, played more games. Played more games, uh, was around for longer, didn't, I mean, didn't kind of flip around teams. Like, it's just... captain. Yeah, like I don't know what else you can really say there. The um, best, the best way that I describe it is because I feel like so many people who get up in arms about whenever any of us say, say this take that they're like, he wasn't as good as Korea or or Solani, and it's like Solani, I will agree, was the better hockey player overall. Ryan Getzloff was the better duck. Yeah. Well, well, the thing is, like. Timo Solani had a higher peak than Ryan Getzloff. It also helped that he played in the mid nineties, which, you know, had, I mean, were some of the highest scoring periods in NHL history, but with Solani, it's just the fact that, I mean, he played less games. I mean, Ryan Getzloff played all 17 years of his career with the Anaheim ducks played almost 1200 games, 1,157. Timo Solani played 966, didn't cross the thousand points with the team. Um, Ryan Getzloff did, there's just something like we're we're talking about who was the better duck, not who had not who was the better player overall in their career. Because unquestionably, in terms of career, it's Timo Solani. I mean, the guy's over the guy's over a point per game in his career. And oh, by yeah. the way, he played four, he played almost fifteen hundred games. So yeah. no one's questioning that. But I think just in terms of what they did for the Ducks, it's Ryan Getzloff. And oh, by the way, Ryan Getzloff led the 07 team in scoring in the playoffs. So yep. 
Like, uh, I, there's just no other debate there. Before we go to break, I do want to uh, and have us ad read from our sponsor. I do want to mention this though. Um, we I briefly talked about it, but I think it's the the highlight of this game mm-hmm. is that assist that he had. Yes, because this was. I mean, make no bones. This was a bad game for the Ducks. They this played. Was, they, 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 I mean, they were getting outshot. What twenty five to six at one point. Yeah, this was probably the, and they were winning two to nothing at one point. Yeah, but which this is was hilarious. Th- this was probably one of the worst performances they've had all season. Um, absolutely run over the six to two score. I mean, granted, probably shouldn't yeah, have been six. By the but, way, by the way, can I can okay. I just can I just fully jump in here? Sure, sure. What do you make of that? Like th- this, like these perform because there's been a couple as of late. It feels like where they've just been completely lifeless. You want to take this, CJ? I've got thoughts, but I'll let you go first. Yeah, I'll 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 be quick. I are their I minds just in out. Cancun? Are they are they thinking about Cancun already? Like I think it's less about them checking out, and I think they're burned out. Like with so many youth on the team, like I don't want to get into the whole Zegras is frail and because Zegras I think still looks you know he still Not looks frail. good in a lot of situations. He has six points in six games. Yeah, yeah, like he's he's fine. But I totally buy the fact that he's really tired and exhausted. He's just that good of a hockey player. I I, I think this team this season has been such a big up and down. It's been um, insane. There's been so many new people that come in. This has come. There's been a ton of change with new general managers. Um, And, you know, you were kind of at the end of the season where there's what, two games left after this, three, four games left if you're including these previous games. Um, personally for me, I just think this is a team that's burnt out. Um, my opinion is with that game, with that game specifically, I think, I mean, this was, they're on the back end of back to backs. Yeah. I think there's a lot of emotions going into this game that may, I mean, it can go one of two ways. It can either lead you into having an outstanding performance, or there's a lot of things going through your head and that can really put you behind the eight ball. I mean, St. Louis was on a hot streak also. I mean, they're not St. Louis isn't that horrible of a team also. I mean, this is a Ducks team that had a okay stretch. I mean, Columbus they they played well, Tampa Bay they played well. Both LA games were bad though. I I think there's something to what you're saying that maybe they're they're just kind of out of it. I definitely think that last night's game against the Blues though, a large part of it was back-to-backs, yeah. emotions, everything like that had to do with it. I, I that, think that right. that that probably is my read on that game. Okay. Anything you want to add, though, uh, Felix? Before I, I get into where I was going, no, I'll I'll, I'll okay. table this one for now. Okay, so where I was going with this in the first place was it was an awful game, but at the end of the day, no one's gonna remember that game. Yeah, no one's gonna remember the game. No one's gonna remember the score. Ten, five, ten years down the line. Some people may even like rewrite history and say the Ducks won this game. The assist. The assist. The only thing that matters is that assist. And I think that's honestly what makes sports great. And we've talked about this a bunch on the show this season. Is that in a crappy year, you got to have moments. And we talked about last year how there was that one game where Zegers and Drysdale both scored their, their NHL goals. And how you, those are the, the moments that you remember. This year, the, the Zegers uh, game winner in overtime against... Uh, Washington. It, it's those moments that kind of draw you in as a fan, even in a crappy year. And that's what makes sports great is that type of theater, that type of unscripted joy that you can have. 
And this assist, I think, is up there. This is the highlight of the season to me, honestly. And the wow. fact that get, I mean, Getzloff comes in. I mean, it's storybook, honestly. He comes in on his one of his five, probably second-to-last shift of his career, three minutes left in the game, second or third-to-last shift, ends up with a break, uh, essentially a one-on-oh on the goalie. I mean, it was more two-on-one, but he had a clear shot at the goalie. And, of course, he doesn't shoot. Of course, Ryan Getzloff doesn't shoot. I, like, well, Adam not- Henrique was... I I honestly at first thought did did the Blues just give Adam Henrique the lane to get, to give Getzloff a chance like he was so wide open maybe but like yeah. I I legitimately thought Getzloff was gonna shoot and score because I was like of course like it would be hilarious that his final kind of situation he shot that yeah but a behind the back pass finds Adam Henrique for the final po- final goal of the game final point of his career with an like a highlight real assist yeah on a situation where anyone else in the league shoots that puck. Sure. Just okay. About. Fine. Ninety percent of the the players in the league shoot that puck. Sure. Sure. And and, and it was just it, it, it's a moment that's gonna live forever in Ducks fans' memories. It's gonna it's one that's gonna probably live forever on highlight reels. And I think if you want to talk about sports, that is that is a signature moment for this Ducks franchise. As as maybe that might sound hyperbolic. But that's that's a signature moment for this franchise. That's one that will go down forever. That people will remember forever and will tell their kids about. Yeah, I mean, I, I I do think that there is something special about the fact that he. It's not just that he scored in his last, or it's not just that he picked up a point or had a highlight real moment in his final game. It's that he had a highlight that was completely emblematic of what yes. he's done well yes. his entire career, right? Because if he had scored and it had gone off like his face or something or like his his shoulder, right? Kind of kind of a different situation. Yes. Well, but if it fa- went off his face, that wouldn't be entirely out of the... <laughs> That's true. He did have some facial fractures. Yeah, but but just the fact that he was able to kind of experience that joy for the last for the last time. And I think also, it's funny, like the, the, the pop in the arena when he when that happened, when that goal was scored, it felt like the Ducks were winning. It, it felt like they had taken the lead. Like that, It felt it, like a playoff game again. It, yeah, and and I feel like, like that, that type of buzz w- was awesome. Yeah, and I think it's it's a good reminder that with a full building and with with something to cheer for, that the Ducks still have there's still a fan base there that's ready to kind of get behind something. They just need to have something to cheer for. Yeah, C- well, CJ, well, I think you were going to say something. Yeah, one of my favorite things about that whole situation was when they asked Getzloff about it after in the oh, post yeah. oh, and yeah, he yeah, straight yeah. up said he was like I wasn't gonna shoot that puck no matter what like he had it in his mind he was gonna pass that was it I mean and he obviously knew Henrique was right there right so he he was Ryan Getzloff to the very last point of his yeah, career yeah. And nobody that, that's else. true oh that that that's was true. that's that that that's a tearjerker a little bit I mean yeah. even even if somehow it didn't go in at least he went out he was going out the way that he's uh yeah essentially played his entire career went and out, went out with the high danger chance assist yeah like <laughs> it honestly talking about right now I'm getting chills just thinking about it and like I said, that was the moment where I got I, I honestly got choked up because I think all of the other stuff was cool, it, but and not saying it's scripted, but it, but it's there and it, sure. it gets you. Choked it was going to happen anyway. Correct. Yeah. But the fact that it it's this moment and that it's so just per it's storybook. It's so perfect and representative of his career and the fact that it was within a game and what makes sports great. That that is that is to me what I hoped would happen, and that is what I'm so thankful for. 
And I know Ryan Getzloff went around thank like basically and after that goal like thanking people. Mm-hmm. But in reality, we all all owe him a big thank you for those types of memories, those types of moments throughout his career. Yeah, that's that's a good way to put it. And yeah, I, I just one thing that really struck me was in the aftermath and even before and just all the buildup in the media and different things like that. You know, Ryan Getzlaff's always he's he's both a guy that wears his heart on his sleeve, but also a guy that kind of has that tough exterior you know, that doesn't really let you in a whole lot to his emotional state, his mental state. And to kind of see him really open up and to and to show that emotion and to show how much this all mattered to him, both in terms of the fans, his teammates, his family. There's just something about that that was really endearing and, and kind of humanizing, which was really cool. And I'm, I'm glad that the Ducks gave him that opportunity to just speak after the game, just on a mic, no questions, just kind of speak from the heart. It's it's pretty rare that you get to see an athlete's kind of mask come off in a way. And so it was just really well done all around. Yep. So, guys, got a question for you. Uh-huh. What's that? So, Ryan Getzloff, not exactly, uh, doesn't have that much hair on the top of his head. Do you think he's used a razor to, to really trim that thing down over the years? Where's this I going? I think he does. He he he's got to use a razor, and it's got to be a good one. I mean, well, well, he yeah. he he really could use. I mean, maybe he could have used Manscaped over the years. So, fellas, have you started spring cleaning yet? The carpets need cleaning, the drapes need dusting, and your lawn needs mowing. Spring has sprung, and the global leaders and below the waist grooming have the best tools. Wait to sully, for, wait to sully this night. I for one am having a lot of fun right now. For cleaning aisle five in your pants. Time to clear out your winter bush and join the other four million men worldwide who trust manscaped by going to manscaped.com for 20 percent off plus free shipping with the code ctp manscaped has the full package you need for spring cleaning this year the performance package 4.0 is the only tool you need to keep your boys looking and smelling like fresh tulips your partner wants to start off your spring cleaning use manscaped lawnmower 4.0 trimmer to get the most precise shave on your hedges did we mention it's waterproof as well no need to worry about watering your grass with this tool equipped with an led light so you know it'll be a major asset to the new shorter routine and you can clear your holes and smell the spring air with the weed whacker. This nose and ear trimmer provide proprietary skin safe technology, which help pre- helps prevent nicks, snags, and tugs in those delicate holes. After clearing your nose, make sure to get rid of that foul ball smell with the Crop Preserver and Crop Reviver. The Crop Preserver is an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. The Crop Reviver spray on toner for your balls. Keep your boys from sticking to your leg and leave them smelling like fresh flowers. Um, you can also finish off your grooming routine with the Plow 2.0, the perfect razor for the finest shave on your face. I mean, Getzloff could have used that on top of his head. Because if you're using the lawnmower 4.0 on your balls and your face, you're doing it wrong, boys. Um, so smell oh so fresh and so clean this spring. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code CTP at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code CTP at manscaped.com. It's time to throw out your old hygiene habits and upgrade your life. Everything I'm very proud of that one. I'm, everything I'm ver- from that transition to the copy was flawless. Thank you. Thank that you. Was, I just, that was amazing. I just want to know. I just I didn't think I would wake up this morning. <laughs> I, when I woke up this morning, I didn't think I'd hear Jake talking about our holes. 
that uh <laughs> i'm just happy i made through that without coughing yeah yeah you're you're all the way recovered um Dude, but anyway i'll aisle five in your pants is an all-time liner line like right there the holes instantly. the holes is i mean just, I, i'm fixated I, on the holes i was just laughing too hard i was very proud of my transition guys Good that job. that was like that Good was job. that was hall of fame worthy for me i think can i just say <laughs> as somebody who is literally a writer like a content marketer copywriter for his professional job i have so much envy for the person who got to write that ad copy like I, I i would live if i got that kind of freedom <laughs> Um, Rooch asking, are we actually trying to keep the stream PG-13 there? Uh, yes. No comment. PG-13. Yes, no. I'm, I'm trying to think what PG-13 entails. Uh, anyway, so I think now that we've kind of gone over the, the gets laugh, and, I mean, anything, any closing thoughts on that? Because, of course, we could spend another hour talking about Ryan gets laugh, but we've got a, we've got a show to get through here. So any anything else that kind of stuck out to you? Jake, you go first. Um... Not really, honestly. I, I think we kind of covered it. Um, beginning moments were really cool. Pre-game ceremony was really cool. The the touch of everyone wearing number 15 jerseys was awesome. The fact that you had the Blues stay on the ice, not only for the handshake, but for all of essentially the post-game stuff, for most of it, was really yeah. nice. And yeah, a really, da- really nice da- touch. David Perron. Yeah. I mean, David Perron, line mates with Getzloff for that, that half a season. It was magic. Yeah, long time duck. I, I, I know it's been a couple of years, but um, Perron at one point on like Twitter, like two or three years ago, said that Getzloff was the mm-hmm. best like center he ever played with, like one of the best line mates he ever played with. Yeah, I mean, I, he's. I hope that's his answer because you can <laughs> you can scroll back and see who he's played with. Um, Good point. Getzloff is definitely the answer there. I guess now spinning it forward because that's what we have to do on the show. We can't we can't just spend the entire show uh, dancing in the flowers. We have to. We have to think about the cold, hard reality a little bit. So, CJ, we'll start with you. Do the Ducks have a cap the next season? No. Okay. Straight up, immediately, no. I, I think they wow. go... Well, I think they go three A's, potentially like four or five and rotate in a couple, but I I do not see them having a captain next year. Jake, do the Ducks have a captain? And if they have one, who is the captain? Um, I mean, I'm leaning towards no, because if, I think if Troy your Terry, answer, if your answer is yes, sorry. Okay. If my yeah. answer is yes, it's Cam Fowler. Okay. Especially okay. with, with kind of essentially you, you heard, you could hear with Getzloff being mic'd up briefly, him and Cam kind of come in and there embrace and you can see just how much they're close. They're, they're close. And the fact that if you're looking for a transition from Getzloff, that's the guy to do it. And I think that honestly, it makes a lot of sense because Cam has four or five years left. Yeah. So by the time Cam is done, Zegris is going to be 25. Yeah. Like, that's the time to put the C on him. And so, I mean, to me, honestly, it, the answer is probably no, it seems like. I would put it on Cam Fowler right away, though. Yeah, so CJ, I guess I should circle back to you. Do you think, if they if they were to name a captain, who would your choice be, or who do you think they will, who do you think they will pick? I think Cam Fowler is the the most logical option i will say so i'll agree with jake on that um i think that if you are looking at um because obviously it, it it's not just a general manager decision right like it's there's the coach it's there's a locker the room, room. It, it, it's a locker room thing but um if we do kind of look at pat verbeek and you know like we have done a lot since he's been hired look at his mentor steve eiserman go through you know we've seen 
the name, you know, young captains, you know, Dylan Larkin in Detroit. Um, when Steven Stamkos was named captain, he was still pretty, you know, relatively young, I believe. Um, and uh, so I could uh, definitely see, like, to me, the next in line after Fowler, potentially when he goes, would honestly be Troy Terry. Like, I know Trevor Zegers being kind of the, Trevor Zegers is probably going to be the face of the franchise moving forward, deservedly so for a lot of great reasons. Um, but just from a leadership standpoint, from what we've had and the fact that Troy Terry is pretty much a veteran now, almost, you know, I mean, if he's not, he's about to be. Um, just hearing his post-game interviews, how he very rarely gives the straight, like, just get pucks in deep answer. He's very thoughtful. He's a very smart guy. And I think he's pretty well respected in the room as well from from what we've heard. So, um, you know, Troy Terry would probably be my pick if it's not going to be Cam Fowler. Okay. Yeah, those are good answers. What I will say is this. I think I could see I could see it both ways. So I think that, for one, you could see this group and it being so fresh that Ryan Getzlaff is gone, want to give kind of honor his his departure by not having a captain next year. But I could also see it from the perspective of, well, I think the Ducks want to compete next year. I think that they want to forge a new identity at, you know, in the post-Getzlaff era. And at some point, you're going to have to cross that bridge. And for me, I'm in favor of just get on with it and get to it. Um, I don't think that especially if Cam Fowler were named captain. I don't think right. I mean, either way, I don't think Ryan Getzlaff is going to be offended <laughs> if there's going to be a, a captain next year or, or not. Um, I do think, I don't, I don't think it will be Trevor Zegers if they name a captain. I think that just the way that they've handled Zegers on the ice, the way his responsibilities have been delegated, you can't have like, you can't have a captain who's, Ice time is, is restricted and, and carefully manicured by the coach. And I don't really see Zegras being fully unleashed next season. I mean, maybe he will be, but we know Dallas Higgins will be the coach. And I don't see that necessarily changing. So I don't think Zegras will be the captain. I could see it being Terry, but here's the problem with Terry. He's got one year left on his... He, next year is the final year of his contract. Then he's an RFA. So presumably he'll still be in Anaheim for years beyond that. But I, I like the I like the argument for Fowler, which is, hey, he's got a bunch of term left on his deal. You know he's going to be around. Let him have the stretch. He's earned it. He's a career duck. And then you can let the other young leaders kind of rise to the top during that time. I, I think that, that Fowler being the captain makes the most sense for a few different reasons. And, and that's what I would do is name a captain right away next year and just kind of usher in the new era. I think it could be a lot of fun to see a, a Cam Fowler-led team see what they can do next season. So I, I think know. that makes, I think that makes perfect sense. And I do want to bring up a quick little, I, cause it's relevant to what we're talking about right now. Um, we're <laughs> fat draw in the, uh, in the chat, um, in the Twitch chat says who wears the A's next year. So let's assume, let's just assume that the ducks go three A's next year. Who wears mm-hmm. the A's Fowler easily gets one. Yeah. Yeah. Fowler, Henrique, Silverberg. Um, yeah, Silverberg. I mean, Silverberg if, is a Silverberg is one of the A's right now. Silverberg so. yeah. is still going to be around. Yeah. He's got two years left. Um, yeah, I, I think that's it's those three. I mean, maybe you have kind of that rotating cast where you have three veterans and then three younger guys. I could see that as well. Um, but yeah, I, I think Henrique will wear a letter for sure next season. Yeah, so. I could see Definitely them do the ro- doing the rotating thing. Yeah, um, I I could see Terry getting a letter though. Yeah, like the thing is, yeah. Here's the thing, though. This stuff, 
matters to the guys in the room and whatever they decide is ultimately the right call. But correct. In terms of what happens on the ice, in terms of in terms of the results, it matters maybe two percent impact, right? Like it's it's a very it, if that. It's a fan que- it's a fan question more or less. It's not an actual on ice yeah. impact question. I mean it, it matters, you know, I, I we can't pretend that it does not matter at all, but it also doesn't matter in very much at all in terms of the actual on ice product. One other so. question for you before we jump into one other topic I've got before full questions sure. uh, for Q and a does Ryan Getzloff's number get retired next season? Ooh. Um, oh, that's a, that's a tough one. I'm going to say they give it a year. I don't know. I, I, I would say maybe like, so I mentioned this earlier in the Twitch chat and I'm I don't have any information on this. This is just kind of like a gut feeling for me. Um I could be horribly wrong, but I would not I think there's a non-zero chance that Getzloff's waits for Perry to retire. Whether Perry retires yeah. this season, next season and he would want to go up not necessarily on the same day but in the same year. How crazy would that be? Frame. If that they have a, a joint a joint jersey retirement night with both Perry and oh Getzloff. My- Oh my god, and, and and I don't think that's the way it's going to happen in, unless they specifically request it. I that could way. see them wanting um, that. I don't I, think so. I could I, see I, it. I don't. I, mean, I don't. I don't. I don't think they would do it. I I don't think they would do it. I think they would. They'd split I think, it up. Yeah, I think From they'd a split it up. Perspective, you'd want to split it up. Yeah, I think what you, what you would do is maybe what they did with Solani and Korea when they did like when they both got into the Hall of Fame in the same year and you honored them on a yeah. night together of making the Hall of Fame. I. My personal opinion, the only benefit to waiting a year for Getzloff, in my personal opinion, is the fact that uh, it will be the 30th anniversary of the franchise. Yeah. That's a good point. That's yeah. a really good point. Having said that, it's getting retired next season. There's no doubt in my mind. 15 goes up in the rafters next season. The precedent's been set with Solani where they, they did it that next season right away. There was okay. no waiting for it. They did it right away. I don't. I if we're talking about this right, where Getzloff is the best duck of all time, mm-hmm. if that that is what you do with the guy that he is taking the mantle from, that is what they'll do with Getzloff. Yeah. Okay. That's that's fine. I mean, it, that's a good point. Again, it's one of those things where I don't have a strong feel for because I don't. It's not something I think about too much. I could see him wanting to wait for Perry just because their their careers True. have been tied together, but I. I I don't know how long, how much longer yeah. Perry has. He could be around for a while. Perry could still that, be going. That's why I said. That's why I said non-zero chance, and not guaranteed. Well, because you does, with, does Perry finish his career in Anaheim? That would be. I mean, well, he's a free agent this summer, right? No, no, no. yeah, he's on yeah. a two-year deal. He's on a two-year. Is he? Mm-hmm. Uh, let me double check that. I think yep. you're right, but Jake said that with such confidence that I have no choice. Yeah, but, to but Jake, <laughs> I'm, I'm not gonna. J- 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 isn't yeah. so easily fooled. What? He's Whoa, got one year left. Mean? He's got one year left. Yeah, You're exactly. Right. Exactly. Here's here's I think what we're all missing though. <laughs> another another legendary duck is uh is leaving the, the organization this summer. Ryan Ryan Kessler's contract is up this oh, summer. Okay. <laughs> well, did you see his posts on Instagram? Basically, oh, I did. RIP no, to no, no. a real one. That contract, man. The, well, basically saying, you know, we're we're both retiring. Another Another fellow retiree. Um, oh. Yeah. Kind of a weird, just a weird exit for him. But you can't really, 
you can't really judge a guy with the way that his injury yeah. situation devolved. Anyway, yeah, yeah, that was through no fault of his own. And yeah. I, I still I still love how uh, um, earlier in the season when the um, uh, Dodonov trade fell through, how he went onto the Ducks Instagram and he straight up commented where he was like, oh. I'm glad they didn't do a, you know, thank you, Ryan Kessler poster. This would be embarrassing. <laughs> he probably was like pissed that that fell through because his last couple of paychecks would have been tax free. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, I guess it would have made sense for him more financially to, yeah. to have those be coming from Vegas. All right. The final thing I've got, though, before Q&A okay. is draft positioning. We're in the final week of the season. Two yep. games left. This mm-hmm. is now what essentially is of importance for Ducks fans out there. So wanted to just at least break down where it currently sits, what um, essentially what to expect for this week. And so the San Jose game last night, the wild game where they ended up beating uh, Vegas in an OT or in a shootout was fantastic for the Ducks because the Ducks now sit with the 10th best draft odds. San Jose winning last night put them two points ahead of the Ducks. And so if the Ducks end up losing to the Sharks tomorrow, the Ducks are guaranteed at worst 10th. They can't draw. So is that why the Ducks called up a bunch of AHL guys today? Oh, it's possible. To, to beef up the roster well, tomorrow? Jerry, May- Jerry May, who's probably out. Getzloff, obviously, is is Yeah, is, uh, so that's two traveling. roster spots. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So enough. there's that. Sam Carrick is still out. Um, but the, the thing that's interesting is the Ducks could get all the way down to seventh. <clears throat> it's a bit of a stretch, but here's kind of how it would happen. So the Ducks are currently at 74 points in 80 games. Buffalo's at 73 points in 80 games. Detroit's at 72 and 80. And Ottawa's at 69 and 79. So nice. if the Ducks lose, yeah, if the Ducks lose out the rest of the way and Buffalo were to win one of their final two games, Detroit wins, uh, I think Detroit's wins one of their games in regulation. Yeah, they held the tiebreaker. And then Ottawa wins out or, or wins two and loses one to OT. The Ducks would end up with the seventh best odds. So a bit of a stretch there. Yeah. Oh, we we've lost CJ for some reason. I see him talking, but can you can you hear me? Yeah. Now I can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sorry, I was accidentally on mute. Um. So what you're saying then is Boomer that energy. you are personally guaranteeing this happens. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Sure. sure. So, so no. if the Ducks do not finish seventh overall, we can tell the Twitter mob to come after you. And sure. Cyber sure. You. So what's sure. cool. so well, they but they can so they have three point five percent chance. A 3% chance of getting into the lottery? Is that how that works? Uh, so no. let's see. The They currently are sitting at... Well, they're 10th. So, yeah, 10th gets them currently, yeah, 3.5% odds of getting in uh, of the lottery, basically. Right. Okay. Got it. Um, so and, so, and the, so, so the, the difference between 10th and 7th is 3%. They, they would yeah. go up to 6.5%. Yeah. So here's the, the uh, percentage chance of spots. 3.5% chance of first, 3.8% chance of second, 73% chance of 10th, 18% chance 11th, 0.9% 13th. If they were to jump all the way to 7th, that goes from 3.5 and 3.8 to 6.5 and 6.9. Nice. Double the chances. Yeah. So it's one of those things. The The only issue for the Ducks really in this situation is that uh, Ottawa has two winnable games and then they're playing Florida also. Yeah. So that Florida game's iffy. Detroit's playing Toronto, and then I think uh, New yep. Jersey. But you also don't know how these teams are going to manage gonna... their rosters. The the really good teams. Yeah. So I mean, basically, it's probably most likely the Ducks are going to finish in tenth. 
um, is my bet here. But there are options. So there are things to watch. If the Ducks beat the Sharks, um, then it makes it a little interesting whether it will be 10th or 11th. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, so some things to watch. Yeah, let me let me ask you this. In terms of this Ducks positioning, is – how do I put this? The way that, that this draft positioning is shaking out, are you a little bummed that the Ducks weren't even worse this season, looking at how things ultimately played out? Or – is it fine that they were kind of this, you know, middling team for a little while and then ultimately fell out? Like what's, I guess we'll have more time to kind of look back on this season, but it feels like they're picking kind of low for a team that was this bad for this long during the year. If that makes sense. I feel like I've got mixed feelings about that. Like, yeah, there's definitely part of me that that's bummed that they weren't worse to get like, and I know fans were legitimate shot at Shane, right? Yeah. Um, But at the same time, what I will say is that, what was it? It was the 9, 10, 11 game winning streak that they had like in the fall. Like that was the most fun I've had watching the Ducks in years. Yeah. Um, And and this season was just so much more. I mean, there were some bad lows, but there were also some great highs. Like this was the most entertaining duck season I think we've we've seen in a long time. Yeah. I mean the bar is um, on the floor, but yeah. The bar is on the floor, but it regardless, they there were plenty of entertaining moments. So I and that's a tough one. And I and I want to jump in and add here. Like this is a Ducks team that's twenty first in expected goals four percentage. Like this isn't this garbage team, right? This was a team that was okay from a five on five perspective that they're got not good. Bit- they're not awful. Yeah, they got buried by absolute garbage goaltending. I, I guess down the, the stretch. I guess the problem, this is a Bob Murray problem, is that the the, the roster they had to start the year should not have been the roster they had. Yes, the, the, the UFAs, the Lindholms, Mansons should have been traded prior to this season. And yes. this would in if if it would have been us at the helm. I think you go all in on the tank this season. Well, by, I don't by, even... by, by trading everyone last year. You can disagree with that though. I yeah, I was gonna say I think there's a way if you actually are active in the offseason that you could have maintained the play and actually been a playoff team this year. If you actually would have been active in moving guys out and pulling guys in. I'm not. I'm not so sure about that. Okay. Well, I mean, it, 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 pulling guys in, I think, is doing a lot of the work there. One hundred percent. Like, like who you, are you bringing in? Yeah. Yeah. Fair. Yeah. <laughs> it requires know. some trades, obviously. <laughs> it requires moves. Well, it requires trades and it also requires I mean, look at look at what the Ducks had to work with this season in terms of top end talent. I mean, Adam Henrique was Adam Henrique the Ducks best player this season? No. But this no, season Troy Terry was. I think Troy Terry in terms of production, but in terms of on ice impact, I think it's I mean Adam Henrique it's still Troy Terry. It's still Troy Terry. Yeah. I don't know. In, in terms of on, pure on-ice impact, which includes shooting, it's Troy Terry. Okay, fair enough. But I, the point I, is, the the, the 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 point is, their top end talent this season was not so stellar. They had Terry, Henrique, and Zegris for a couple of months before he completely fell off. Production-wise, was fine, but on-ice completely fell off. And Sonny Milano and Ryan Getzloff was good, but like it wasn't this team. I mean, I don't so know how you, that, that's like, still five players, but you can't really fix that central. Yeah, but these aren't like elite level guys, though. My point is just that you can't really fix that central problem in a year. 
to really take that next step. No, and, but, I, and but so, I think and so to me, trying to eke out a playoff spot just didn't make sense. Like, no, that's I, fair. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to say. Like this whole like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna push for a wild card spot before the I mean, the rebuild has been fully well, realized just didn't make sense to me. Let me just kind of add this part there. What do we largely talk about for most of the season as being the big issue with this team? Lack of depth. And so if you're able to move guys out and bring in better depth players, I think that makes a difference. Yeah, your floor gets higher. Yes. Your, your floor gets higher. So I, I think that's the thing. doesn't get higher. Well, and remember, too, like, you know, we got info very early on in the year that it seemed to us that, you know, the Ducks and Bob Murray seemed to kind of almost view, like, the pending UFAs, so Raquel Lindholm, um, all them as like the peak value being right before the trade deadline mm-hmm. when, yeah. you know, really that's not true. I mean, in some cases that may be true, but in this specific case, it absolutely was not true. Their value had peaked, you know, either off season. I would argue last trade deadline was probably when their value peaked. I mean, I think Raquel but- at the deadline was probably at his peak value from, because he got really hot in the lead up to the deadline, but yeah. Lindholm, no Lindholm was, was higher value at different times. Yeah. So, yeah. So I I just think the problem for this team wasn't going to change even regardless of what they did last summer in That's terms fair. of trying to make the playoffs, which is that sure Troy Terry, Adam Henrique, Ryan Gutzev, these are good players, but you still need more to be kind of like a bona fide team to make the playoffs and then have a chance to make a run as opposed That's to fair. just have a participation kind of first round run. Yeah, um, that's fair. But I, but I do think now, kind of all things considered, considering the reality of the franchise, I think that it is it is important for them to have at least shown what this can look like when it's working to any degree, right? It is hard to go through years of things absolutely not working, of things looking so awful. And it is important that that happened. I think it's a good sign. And now, if you're Pat Verbeek this summer, it probably gives you a little more confidence to kind of build up the roster. Yep. All right. Want to get questions? Yeah. All right. So we're going to start with our Discord, our Patreon Discord. This comes from D Frenzy said, podcast question. Uh, Do we think Akins has some personal problem with Zegers? Just seems like some of his actions he doesn't like as much as other players. He continuously benches him for defensive breakdowns when he doesn't do that to, say, Lundestrom. The comments he made a couple weeks ago about Z being frail. Also, there were the rumored shouting matches between him and Zegers when Z was coming back to the lineup from COVID. Thanks for taking the time to answer this. Uh, no, I don't think so. I mean, I have no way of knowing. So, <laughs> yeah, don't want to get into I, that. I, yeah, I would agree with Felix. I don't think it's a personal issue whatsoever. And if anything, you know, with hearing Eakins talk about Zegras, he's always, almost always very complimentary of him. He loves the fact that Zegras, you know, is showy and has the skill. He stepped up for Zegras during the whole Tyson Nash, Jay Beagle crap. Like, he, you know, he he, he stepped up for his player there. Um, I, it's not a personal thing at all. I just think it's a usage hockey tactics issue with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shaken Wing says, what is McTavish's star probability and how does he compare to, with other Ducks prospects or players? Uh, Seegers and Drysdale at that point. So just as a reference, I had, uh, crap, I closed that window. I can uh, pull it up. One yeah, point. I've I, I I can get it quickly. Um, but I believe he was like at uh sixty percent, something like that. He's in at, terms of he's NHLer. At, he's at nine percent probability to be a star producer and fifty three percent to be an NHLer right now. Yeah, 
And so comparing that to Trevor Zegras, on the other hand, in his D plus one year, I mean, the, the tough thing is obviously with kind of how COVID uh, messed well, the, with... Well, the, the priors are messed up on McTavish because he yes. had that he had that weird... He had that weird draft year, you know, playing in Switzerland and playing in a league not in the not in the Swiss first division that and that is a league that doesn't have a bunch of priors or not a lot of to to to, to go off of historically. And now that still gets factored in into his draft plus one. Yeah. So it's it's a good sign that the numbers have increased. You would like to see them increase more, but I'm I mean you kind of just you have to defer a little bit more to the eye test. <laughs> With Mason McTavish, but Zegers in his draft year was at fifty-one percent star probability, yeah, and in, and in his draft plus one was at thirty-two percent. And then, mm-hmm. I mean, now, I mean, the 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 last one in his draft plus three is seventy-nine percent <laughs> star yeah. probability. So yeah, he he's very very good. So yeah. McTavish think- is a little bit behind in terms of these prospecting models compared to where Zegers was at that same point. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think the prospecting models have, you know, some value, but there's a little bit more. The prospect models with McTavish are more limited than they would be otherwise just because of those priors. And I, I would say that from an eye test perspective, McTavish has some of the tools to become a star. I'm not saying he will be, but I think he definitely has some of the tools. And that shot is amazing. He's already got NHL-ready size, and he already uses that size very effectively. We've seen that. Um you know, there's certainly other questions with his game. I think some of his playmaking and play reading ability are are there um, quite yet. Um, so we'll just have to see what happens. But I think with McTavish, I will say that the skills there's some very promising skills that he has got. Yep. And then BT Laffin asked us: Will the Ducks always be considered a small market team that is picked on for having visible empty seats slash opposing fans, or do you think having a star like Zegers combined with overall growth has the potential to put the franchise in another tier among teams in the league in the future? I mean, you guys are probably better positioned to answer that, but to me, I feel like Southern California fans, sports fans, are pretty. Like you have a lot of choice, right? With all the different teams, there's a lot support. of competition. There's you can yep. shop around, and that reality is not going to change. Um, and so I think the empty seats thing is still going to be a reality. But I do think that in terms of the cachet of the of the franchise and their viability, their marketability around the league, a guy like Trevor Zegers does change that. But I still think the Ducks are going to be considered small market because that's just not something that one player can really change. Yeah, and I, I don't – I mean, the thing is, when the Ducks are good, they sell out. Yeah. And, and yeah. so at the end of the day, like, that that's kind of the nature of the Southern California market is if you don't win, it's going to be tough to draw, especially yeah. if you're not one of the top higher-end sports. That That's just the nature of, of the situation, even if it's a big team. Like, even if it is, like, something like the Dodgers or Angels. Like, if they're not good, they're not selling. The Angels are a big team? I think that the Angels have been – nearly tops in attendance for a while, although there's some question about that lately. But I would say maybe the only team in Southern California that can still draw well without um, being good is probably the Lakers. Everybody else is really just going to depend on success. Which is fortunate for them because they're not going to be good for a while. Wow. Wow. (laughs) All right. Um, Okay. Um, Let's get to some questions from Twitter. We got a couple and then we'll be going to Twitch. Uh, This comes from our good friend, Tony. This is one that doesn't require any time at all. It's just one that's an inside joke for CJ only. But for CJ, I'm running a Starbucks in 15. You want to (laughs) join? What? 
Uh, yeah, I don't know if don't I could have caffeine this late, but if uh, you're willing to pick me up a nitro cold brew with sweet cream. There it is. Uh, <laughs> our good friend Trevor Zegris asks us, uh, want just one question tonight. I feel like Fiala may be uh, too hefty price to pay for the compensation for. Do you think the Ducks check in on a guy like Shifley? Uh, and no. no. Yeah, I don't see, I don't no, see that. No really. to Shifley. Too old. And I don't – I mean, I know that Fiala had a big weekend, but the reality is still the reality in terms of age and his acumen so far. So I don't think that that's really changed. Um, get him. Send out the offer sheet. Yeah, Hockey Rush asks, if Calgary wins the Stanley Cup, does Bob Murray get his name on the cup? Oh, I have no idea. Do pro scouts get their names on the cup? I don't, I don't think so. I don't think so either. I don't so think either. he would. Yeah. yeah. yeah I By don't, the way, I don't... They, are, they are my pick. Wow. I'm, just, I'm coming out and saying it right now. I actually How... don't hate that pick at all. Yeah. How dare you not pick the Cats? The Cats? No one calls them that. Yeah, they do. No one, I've heard no one some people them call them that. Yeah, exactly. See, the, thanks, their, their style won't win in the playoffs. Wow, boomer energy from you. No, it's Dang just it. reality. Like it's just. I, and I, after I don't know they you... traded for Ben Chirot, how dare you? Actually, that is a good point. They need guys who take a lot of penalties in the. Re- they need guys who take penalties in the regular season, and then those penalties go uncalled in the postseason. Yeah, Radko Gudas and Ben Chirot. <sighs> yep. I don't know. Give me Calgary. That's all I'll say. Um, McCann Sanford said, uh, uh, how, sorry, how perfect would it be for Getzloff to get the Masterton trophy? Talk about dedication to hockey and to the love of the game and not just ring chasing. That's perseverance and dedication. He was nominated by the Anaheim chapter of the pro hockey writers association as the Masterton, uh, nominee. There you go. Thoughts, uh, deserved. And now Jake is hacking away. I'm I'm, (laughs) I'm trying my best. (laughs) Absolutely deserve it. I'm looking, though, right now for who are all the nominees for the teams because I want to see if he's got... Is, has Carey Price played in a game yet this yes, season? K- K- yes, and Carey Price has been nominated. I feel like it's going to yeah. be him. Carey Price is going to win that Carey Price is going to win it, yeah. Sorry, sorry, sorry everyone. That's Carey Price's award to lose. Canadian yeah. bias. <laughs> all right. Very so, insensitive. Uh, we're going to go to Twitch though now. So if for those of you watching on YouTube, yes, we're on youtube.com slash crash spawn. Please like, and subscribe. If you comment there, I'll reply if you have a question. Um, but if, uh, or if you're on your favorite podcast services, you can watch it each and every Monday night at 8 PM at twitch.tv slash crash pond, where if you have Amazon prime, you get one free Twitch prime gaming sub each and every month. You do have to hit that subscribe button after 30 days and you get special emotes in the chat, special badges next to your name. So, Here's a question. Who wants to go first on this? Who had the better year, Benoit or Mahura? Wow. That is a deep cut. I am wow. proud of... Who, who oh, this is from Fatcheralt. Fatcheralt. Okay. That is... that is. I feel like that. that's that's flexing that's that's flexing the the Crash the Pond card, I think. 100%. If you, if you, if you care about... Or that's why you listen to our show, is if you care about uh, those kind of those kind of subplots. Okay, so without looking at any stats, because I have I have some of the stats in my head, but without any refresher, I will say Josh Mahura in a landslide. That's yeah. I was gonna I, I was gonna be like I'm gonna look this up, but I want to like make a guess. It's before Josh I Mahura, one hundred percent. Yeah, like, I, I think I we we Mahura need to well. we need to have a moment. We need to pour one out for. Oh God, this is maybe this will offend. Maybe this will ostracize. Maybe this will burn bridges. Who knows? But Simon Benoit, 
if you look at the RAPMs, sure, there's some there's some positive impact in terms of offense, but some. But he was like the reputation for him coming in was he was this you know maybe more physical, effective defenseman. And yeah, he's coming out of the AHL and he doesn't have any NHL experience. But I just feel like the reputation that the the the, the, the under the radar hype train was just not backed up at all. Like he just wasn't good this year. Um, yeah. which is unfortunate. While Mahura wasn't great either, don't get me wrong, but Mahura at least, you know, did stuff. Did stuff that was more useful. So I have the, like, guard tables up right here from Evolving Hockey. Uh-oh. It, it, wouldn't be a, it wouldn't be a CJ appearance without using Gar, because we That's never right. use Gar on this show. Actually, we I did on the Gar. last bonus show, but yeah. I, I, I love Garden. Yeah, you can look at the wrap. Um, Josh Mahura grades out worse than Simone Benoit um, uh, in guard, both in total and on a per 60 basis. Okay. They're both awful. They're both like bottom five in that stat, but Mahura actually grades out kind of a fairly decent amount worse. Well, so here's what's interesting because I kind of love these types of questions. Um, here's what's interesting is that if you look at the tracking data for Benoit, I think what drives his offensive impacts um, when you look at the on-ice stuff is that he's really good at joining the rush. Like he grades out really well in terms of uh, shots off the rush, shots off of high danger passes. He's really good at collecting rebounds for some for some odd reason. <laughs> um, he's good at generating. He's good at like contributing to chances. But then everything else, and I'm I'm not even making this up. Like everything else, just terrible at like defending the blue line in particular really poor at really bad at retrieving the puck down low really bad at exiting the zone with control whereas josh mahura he does some things very very well and kind of in all different facets of the game like he's not a one-trick pony um he's good at exiting the zone he's good at contributing offense off the rush and so yeah like it's josh mahura <laughs> okay odog 81 said question are we ducks fans uh uh, hoping that McTavish can eventually play a similar style to Getzoff and somewhat fill the void that he has left in the Ducks roster as an elite power forward. So, I just, you would just want, like, the hope should just be that he'll have a Ryan Getzloff level impact. Styles are great, styles are fun, but what really matters is the bottom line impact because you see guys around the league that have fun styles or, or, or players that fans latch onto but might not actually be that impactful, that effective. And so, all that really matters is how good he actually is at the end of the day. And by the way, I didn't know that people uh, call the Panthers the Cats, but I just feel like no one actually... Like, the, like the number of people who call them the Cats might be single digits, is all I'll well, say. Count me part of it. I mean... <laughs> I don't call them the Cats, but I've heard more than nine people say it. Say, 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 them, <laughs> sleeping, say them sleeping behind me, and she definitely calls them I like calls Cats, the by cats. the way. This is not a referendum on on the the cat species. Felix is a very well known cat person. <laughs> yeah, uh, our good friend JC Caster Y four S O said, "Question: How much has the McTavish pick grown on you since the draft? I know we were a lot more down on it at the time due to other players available." No, I was high on it. I I was I had to talk. So when we did our our live stream of the of the draft jake was the disappointed one i was the one that i talked you off the ledge basically you did yeah did i oh yes. yeah no i Check remember this very clearly roll the tape roll the tape i, I thought like i said it was, I was a defense more... i'm pretty sure i said it was a defensible pick but i prefer after, Eklund. A, after i talked you off the ledge 
<laughs> I remember me being more like confused and not entirely sure what to think. I don't know if I had a super strong bit. I was on the Eklund train for sure, like as well at the same time. But yeah, I remember just being kind of like, what that came out of left field. I the barely know that, anything about this kid. <laughs> the, the pick that's grown is Olin Zellweger. Oh, yes. Be- because the, just the just the scale, like the magnitude of how good he's going to be now. Well, everybody knew that was a good pick when it was made, but I don't think we realized yeah. just how like he had the greatest season for defenseman in the WHL since Scott Niedermeyer. Like, yeah. and, and he did it a year younger. Like, that's insane. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, he, definitely. He is. I mean, could he be the best player in that draft? Too much. Too much. It's. I mean, it's possible. Not out of the realm of possibility. Could. We'll see. Not out of the realm of possibility. Yep, exactly. Um, Felix, you're gonna love this question because it, it's something that uh, oh, we God. definitely uh, oh God. we definitely always go to. Rouge oh, twenty said, "Who would you take in this year's draft?" Oh God, yeah, don't know. <laughs> I, look, wake me up when the draft is like about a month away, and then I'll start having draft takes. Um, now. Sh- Shane you're, you're, Wright. Shane yep. Wright. <laughs> yeah, damn it. Damn it. <laughs> Why'd you have to beat me? Yeah. Beat I me beat to you. that. Um, I'll Sorry. go Slavkovsky. Sure. I mean, we don't know where they're going to be picking. We don't know who's going to be available anyway. CJ, would you like to add anything? Savoy. I, I'm going to be straight up real with you guys here. I'm, on, I'm similar to Felix, but I know probably even less. I do like absolutely zero draft research until the season is done and I kind of have an idea of where they're picking. Um, I, to be completely honest, the only like names I'm actually more than casually familiar with are Shane Wright and Brad Lambert. Um, and uh, Brad, Brad Lambert's an option. Uh, yeah, Shane, he is. Shane um, Wright will be a Montreal Canadian. Is, so. Meet Cuff wow. is 23, right? Oh. Yeah. Now I'm really yeah, excited okay. for the watch along that we're. I just yeah. realized, yeah, the watch along for the the draft lottery is gonna have a whole added, uh, yes, intrigue to it with Montreal. How mad will Felix? Now I'm excited. How mad will Felix get if the Ducks win the lottery and Montreal is like second or third? I would be so oh. pissed because <laughs> I, it's, yeah, it's the, gonna be great. It's we gonna need be great. to happen just purely for the content. Yeah, I'm gonna melt down if if they get first. <laughs> I'm Tune trying to remember to see Felix melt down. <laughs> what That's was the selling the, point? What was the watch along? Wasn't it of the draft when someone got picked and you just like fell backwards? Oh, it was um, was it Jack Quinn? Yeah, it was Jack. Yeah, no. yeah, yeah, yeah. It, was, it may I have been. I still have the screenshot of your reaction of you looking. You're like, you have got to be kidding me. That that yeah. that's the type of content we can expect. Tune in. Me watching live sports is like can be problematic. <laughs> um, Chris Kringard asks: Seeing the Ducks are obviously interested in taking on a decent decent players on bad contracts. What contract should they be interested in taking on this summer? I'm thinking someone like Sean Monahan. I don't know. That's a Jake question. Putting you on the spot. Wow. <laughs> I honestly haven't really put myself into those shoes to figure out what type of contracts out there are bad that they could exploit. Sean Monahan's not a bad one though. Um, that's someone that really has fallen off a cliff this year in terms of production. If getting to Donov. <laughs> I mean, isn't he a UFA? Oh no, he yeah. He's well, got yeah, a year. He does, but yeah, no way that's happening. <laughs> um, you don't want those California taxes. Yeah, I don't know. I'm trying to think about what a, name a bad contract in this league. I mean, there's a lot, but name one yeah. that people want to get rid of. 
Ooh. Um, Ryan Kessler. <laughs> um, <laughs> that problem will resolve itself in like two days. Yeah, I, I'm like looking at the Oilers don't really have any bad deals, but they're spending up high. I mean, maybe they try to get rid of Mike Smith. He's at 2-2. Um, My mind went to the LA Kings, but then I realized that they're not. First off, that trade wouldn't happen. And secondly, their bad contracts aren't as bad as they, they used to be. So I mean, do the Stars try to dro- drop someone or move someone? Maybe they try to move Esselindell. Depending on yeah. how they're feeling on Lindell, I don't. I on. I mean, this is just me kind of throwing stuff out there because I don't know. S. Lindell's making five point eight for the next three seasons. Yeah, I don't know how they feel about him, where they're at with him. So who mm-hmm. knows? But maybe that's a guy. This is just me. Somebody, I don't. Somebody I'm just seeing now, and I'm wondering. I it, Ooh, I don't feel classic. like this would work for for a lot of things. I'm looking at Tyler Johnson from Chicago. The, uh, the contract is a little long. No, if, no. Really? Because there, I mean, if, uh, who is it? Kyle Davidson? Jake, we said, new... we, we said decent players. Mark Edward well, Vlasic is cooked. That's Tyler fair. Tyler Johnson that's is still cooked. a decent cooked. player. No, oh. here, here, here's the issue with Tyler Johnson. Chicago is embracing the rebuild. There's no way they're going to move a guy and trade picks to get rid of him. Really? He's 31 years old. Yeah, like, no, Chicago, Chicago's full-blown rebuild. They're not moving. They're not I, I, moving. I know the rebuild. That's yeah. why I'm saying with his oh, age. Oh, Jonathan Taves, the there's, your, there's your pick from uh, Chicago. Oh. There's <sighs> your pick. Or Patrick Kane for that. Yeah, much- I, mean, I, I mean, just Chicago's not going to move a guy if they have to move a pick along with him to get rid of the contract. I think, t- do, you think one of Ta- do you think one of Taves or Kane is gone this summer? Yes. Yeah. Oh, I, think it's, I think it's Taves. I, I think, think it's Kane. I think Kane likes putting up points on a bad team and not having to play defense. Kane, Kane has said if DeBrincat <laughs> goes, Kane's going. And DeBrincat, yeah, but, but would he, would Davidson get rid of DeBrincat though? I don't think he would. There's I mean, rumors that DeBrincat wants to get moved. If they're tearing it all the way down, he's probably their best trade chip because he's got yeah, a year probably. left, and then he's an RFA. So you can sell that they to your get, tr- trade partner. In they that can way. get a freaking king's ransom for him. Do easy. the ducks isn't? I think he's a free. how bad? How bad does the Seth Jones contract look now for Chicago? <sighs> oh. I mean, it looked bad at the time. Like it looked bad yeah. the, the moment it was signed. But oh my god! Uh, well, fill he the thrill in Anaheim. Okay, this season. Fill the thrill signs for the ducks. Dude, uh, I would buy jersey in a heartbeat. <laughs> ducks, well, ducks go to orange mighty ducks jersey. Sign fill the thrill. Nah. I'm not wow. a Phil Kessel fan. Next wow. up, Stanley Cup. I mean, Easy. the guy wow. played for Boston and Toronto. Like, it's just wow. not, you know. Fatcheralt <laughs> uh, said, if uh, asked if I'm still in on Chikrin. I no, am. I've talked you off of that. Not officially. to the same level that let, I was. L- let the people know that I've I've talked you off of that. Give me Travis Sanheim. <laughs> You've pivoted. You've pivoted I've, to Travis I've, Sanheim. I, I've pivoted hard. I've pivoted hard. <laughs> Heel turn. Is What? <laughs> I feel like that's a baby face turn. I just love dropping wrestling terms that don't actually fit the context of what we're discussing. Do you want me to go on a wrestling tangent? No, no. Keep keep moving along. More questions. Um, Do we have I any more? I, I think that's it for questions. Um, Imagine yeah. Jonathan Taves on the Ducks next season. I don't think it happens, but it would be pretty no. funny. Do, does Mason McTavish make the Ducks? Yes. 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 I mean, if he doesn't, I feel like the Ducks are kind of in trouble. No, no. Uh, he's, still, he's still young enough. Sure. Like Taylor I, I, Hall? I think 
He's, yeah. I mean, McTavish is. Has McTavish turned 19 yet? Uh, surely. Mm, yes. I mean, sure. yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so he's 19 years old. If he doesn't make the team out of the gate, it's not the end of the world. And I it's don't think not, really but, anything you know, he's got to play another year of junior. And I just feel like, I just don't know how useful that's going to be. That's more so the issue is just the downside of where he goes. Yeah, true. Um, Taylor Hall, though, I'm seeing that name in our chat. Yeah. Thoughts? I don't think. I don't think so, but that's... I feel like Boston would want to keep him. Also, he's got a no-move clause, so... (laughs) I don't think he's going to the Ducks. He's waving the hat to the Ducks. But on the other side, he could come here and he could have a boat in uh, warm weather year-round instead of just during the summer in Boston. So if he wants to crash his boat in Newport Harbor, fantastic. He's free to do that. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, is that a thing? Is that a thing? There, There was... It was a whole thing, I think, with uh, um, he tweeted like early in his career that he wanted to get his boating license. Or oh. It was just like this random weird tweet that he had about getting a boating license, and people ran with it. All right. Well, we got some. We had some more questions trickle <laughs> in. Odog eighty one said, uh, "Question for Felix: Do you think Jake is all elite?" Don't know what that means. Jake Answer is yes or no. Jake is babyface. Answer yes or no. <laughs> Jake is babyface. Yeah. Yes or no. Declined to answer. Wow. Uh, Fatrold says, does Dreisel start as a duck or a goal next year? I feel like this is a CJ baiting question. Oh, this definitely is. Um, I think he's a duck. I, I, I think that the the Ducks have too many nobodies on defense right now. You really have... Whoa, whoa, whoa. Euro Vakaninen would like word. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. How could I forget? I, there's way too many obvious, barring um, Verbeek going crazy on defense next season, I I, I just think you kind of have to play Drysdale almost. Yeah. You don't have to, but you get what I'm saying. To jump in on that, I think that Drysdale has shown improvement this year. Yep. Even though he's still God-freaking-awful defensively. <laughs> um, he has shown a lot of improvement, and given how young he is, given the weird development path that he's taken... I think that that's encouraging enough to where it's like, okay, now you just got to play him. I think that yep. they should just be more careful about his role in the NHL next year. Yep. Bruce 20 asks, uh, am I the only one here that thinks McTavish shouldn't be on the Ducks roster next year? Uh, well, I, I guess I'm of two minds. I would prefer to see him on the Ducks next year because I think that makes the team more intriguing. But it just depends what their roster is looking like. Like what kind of roster is Pat Verbeek going to build this summer? Cause he well, has also come, just, he has to come sorry. into a good situation. It also just depends on uh, what they think is the best place for him to develop. If they think he has anything left in junior. I mean, he put up 40 points in 24 games uh, yeah. for Hamilton. Like, yes, we, we looked at the hockey prospecting model, but the, I just don't know if they think there's anything left for him there. And I think that's the question that and, we're going to find out. And I mean, out. here's the whole thing with McTavish, right? Is that he was drafted under this assumption that he is this kind of pro-style player and that the way he plays is going to be a seamless fit in the NHL. And I feel like that, I mean, that hasn't gone away. Martin Madden is still the guy in charge there, you know, in terms of the player evaluation. And so I think that he just has that, he, it just feels like they've decided that he's going to be a guy who makes it early to me. Um, yep. And, and I mean, it's not undeserved. Like, he lit up the OHL this year. So, 
I don't know. I but yeah, he I, lit up the OHL and he didn't look completely out of place to start this season. No, no, he didn't. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, and he also was playing his not his natural position. <laughs> thank, uh, thank, thank you, Dallas Higgins. Zuzle said, uh, speaking of 19 year olds, do you know who's 20 now? Uh, Jamie Drysdale, happy birthday. Did that happen this week or this? No, that week? no, we talked about that it on last week's ago. episode. Okay. Yeah. Um, and on that same topic, hardcore Lucher said, not a question, but I was laughing, uh, completely when Allers went off on Drysdale, just turning 20. We just, they, they must listen to the show, right? Like, like, come on. It's just, are they living to torture us? To torment me in particular? Yeah. It has to be, Like, right? that's a very broad us. Because all of us laugh at it when it happens and mock you. Yeah, yeah. Whatever. Next question. Um, O-Dog81 uh, says uh, that I'm the baby face and you're the heel, Felix. Just heel as turn. a heads up. Heel turn. Uh, JC asked, what's the likelihood Gibson has moved during the summer? Ooh. Non-zero. I'm going <laughs> to... Greater... I'm giving it... Greater or less than 50%. I was gonna say fifty-fifty. I'm giving it a fifty. That's 50 that's shot. a cop out. Sorry, All that's right, a cop 51%. out. Fifty-one percent. Fifty-one. Fifty-point-one percent. Yeah. By I, the way, uh, I think it's I think it's likelier that I mean it's the NHL, but there's a lot of silly teams out there as always. So I'm gonna give it a greater than fifty percent chance. Wow. I'll go with Agreed. that. Uh, by the way, CJ or CJ KHL uh, called you out. CJ disrespect to Sh- uh, Schuster. Uh, calling him a nobody. Wow. Wow. I'm sick. <laughs> Dude, you you know that being six foot seven is not a hockey skill, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just um, saying. All right. Let's do two more questions. Then as eight said, uh, following up on JC's question, if he doesn't get moved, as in Gibson, do Stollers and Gibson split more time evenly or split time more evenly next season? I mean, I'm throwing my hands up at this question because no. – Akins yes. is still the coach. Akins is still the coach, but does the new management group though not kind of see that that's a flaw in this team's methodology and look to address that though? Like has maybe they what, do. What, what more that's does fair. Anthony Stolarz need to do to prove that he's capable of more? Anthony Stolarz, the Ducks' best goalie this year by a big margin. Um, yeah. So what more does he need to do? I would say that yes, there will be a change if he's around. Which, like I said, less than fifty percent chance of that happening. Yep. Uh, Fatrault says, will Jake Sanderson look better than Drysdale next year? No. I don't, I don't have think an so. On that. Sanderson's been developing very nicely. Like, I'm, I'm going to give the Sens. Uh, and where They're was flowers? Sanderson playing again? Uh, well, he's in the NHL now. He was at NODAC. At- or, yeah, NODAC? South, North Dakota? Or, well, he's, the in Dakotas. The, he's in the NHL yeah, yeah, now. Yeah. He, he was at one of the Dakotas. Yeah, yeah. I'm I, pretty I sure mean, there's only one relevant one. Sanderson, again, wait, he's wait, I can't remember which good. one that is. That's the issue. <laughs> North Dakota. Oh, okay. Anyway. Um, yeah, no, he, I mean, he's been developing nicely, but, I mean, Drysdale's got the leg up on him here. I, I doubt he looks better than him next year. All yeah. right. Uh, we ended up – Lewis uh, really dropped the ball this week. Oh. He, uh, he didn't uh, give us a town. That's fine. I know we're, so, we're we're an hour and a half in. We are somehow. Um, by the way, but I'll, I'll just read a food take to end this from our food channel. Oh, Lewis was the last one. He said, "Just ate my feelings with Del Taco, but fresh glazed donuts sound amazing." Ooh, oh, <laughs> what a combo! Uh, that, that's because Green Bastard had said, "Stop to Krispy Kreme after the game." <sighs> the nearest Krispy Kreme to me 
is a little bit further away in a town called Sparks from me, but there's a local donut shop that's very close that I'm excited to try out. That's what you get for moving to Nevada, CJ. For moving to Reno, you don't have Krispy Kreme nearby. Look, I mean, it's like 20. I can get anywhere in this damn metropolis in 20 minutes. It's so easy. I love it. Well, <laughs> look, shit. Del Taco, Del Taco isn't good. Let's let's get that out of the way. Let's dispense that notion. And then I would like to uh, introduce myself as the new host replacing the recently fired Felix Sicard of Crash the Pond. Felix, would you like to take that back? Oh, oh no, you can't because I muted you. <laughs> Felix has been muted. He's trying. He's I, trying. I've made this point multiple times before. Like I don't know. This is nothing new. But Del Taco isn't as good as Taco Bell. That is for sure. But also Mick. I muted him again. Not letting this blasphemy. <laughs> I heard a Mick, and I was gonna be like, "Oh, this take is gonna be off disparaging the rails. Jake's Thank family." <laughs> no, but mix, mixing Del Taco with donuts? Are you a monster? Have you ever been to a county fair? There's have been you ever, way worse food pairs. Have you ever gotten churro, the churros from Del Taco? Ugh, I'd rather uh, overrated. Churros I'd rather, from Del Taco. I'd rather slice overrated. my tongue off. They're good. I had a feast I from Del, Del Taco, Taco last too. week. It was amazing. An absolute feast. I got chicken soft tacos. I got a quesadilla. I got a bean and cheese burrito, and I got French fries. And it probably cost you like four dollars, right? Yeah, it was delicious. Disgusting. You're making me so You're, hungry. Wait, right now. was that meant to like be a negative, or was that supposed yes, to be a positive? Because if it's cheap, it means it's inherently like wow. cheap ingredients. Ha- wow, bad That's quality. A, that bad is quality. Elit- that is elitist. That is no, an elitist it's, it's take, just, Felix. It's just I, ca- I care about your health, and I don't want you eating. That, that is an I don't want you take. eating 30% meat. That is an elitist take. It's not. It's just not. We, no one has to eat Del Taco, and you choose to. It's delicious. It's better than Taco Bell. It's not. It's oh, not. it absolutely is. If you're going to go down the... And I do the- like Taco Bell. I am, I'm fine with it. French fries. If you- <laughs> no! Look, at least, cut fries. Look, at least Del Taco doesn't randomly cancel popular menu items out of nowhere constantly. I'm pounding, I'm pounding my desk right now, but I don't know if this will come through on the audio, but if, if the thing that you're like, if the selling Thank you, point, Lou, for providing us a shit show section, even when the, you didn't mean to. If the selling point of a Mexican fast food place is the, is the French fries, I think you've got a problem. I, I think you're kind of making have you ever had a Cal- Have you ever had a California burrito? Good, sir. Yeah, but that's don't French, don't move French, don't fr- don't move goalposts. French fries don't, are a big part of that. You got to have good French fries for a good California burrito. Look, again, California burritos are overrated. California burritos are great, but there's also a lot of bad California burritos. That's the problem with California burritos. Del Taco this, California burritos are good. Look, Del Taco is just so overrated. It makes me angry. It makes me just shake my fists in the air wait 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 wait. (laughs) Wait, i i I need to bring something up something you said that uh there's a a, someone has uh told you to be a bit better about this have you tried tried del taco i've tried it multiple times what have you had i've had everything i've had the whole slate i'm aware of what's available i'm calling if you've had everything on del taco's menu then you're either i'd be dead i'd be dead in the world you're lying about hating del taco (laughs) i'd be dead if i had that much del taco no one can ingest that much. Oh, toxic forever nineteen twenty-two. Also, with forever nineteen twenty-two, with a great, with a great point. The selling point of any fast food place should be French fries because you always get them. Great point. 
Fantastic point. Check and mate. What? It's a Mexican food place. It's a fast food place. <laughs> it's a Mexican-inspired fast food place. <laughs> you know what? I've Nobody made my here point. is claiming Del Taco is authentic Mexican food. Look, I've made my point. Like, yeah, I've heard people say that they love the burgers from Del Taco. Oh, yeah, my Their wife. burgers are actually Monica. Oh, that just makes yeah, me sick. They, they've got good burgers. Maybe that just makes me sick. I want to throw up right now. As, as opposed to the cultural Mexican staple <laughs> that is the Crunchwrap Supreme. <laughs> Come on. Look, at least, okay, at least that is tangentially, <laughs> tangentially more authentic than literal French fries. Like, come on, let's not pretend. Do they not have French fries in Mexico, Felix? Oh my goodness, your your ignorance is they, showing. French fries are not part of Mexican cuisine; they just aren't. It says you, yeah. No, it like says they, you. <laughs> what? They're called French fries. French. <laughs> They're not Mexican fries. Oh, oh, I think I know why Felix is mad here. Felix hates it because they they are taking away his thing. <laughs> they're coming for my fries is that is that is that yeah. what i sound like right now yeah yeah <laughs> we, we so get it now we like see all, now this will all be like post 9 11 when everybody tried to make them freedom fries and not french fries i'm just i'm sick i actually uh, like i feel nauseous cjk chell's asking if you've ever tried the burger from dairy queen no that's a felix i'm sick I'm Dairy Queen right has now. decent chicken tenders. Oh, Fatcherall with a great take. Uh, Del Taco fries greater than poutine. Oh. <laughs> okay. Let me let me address that. That was the nuclear take. <laughs> let, let me address that. <laughs> this podcast, we we were all set to end this like 15 minutes ago. Let me let me address that. <laughs> if I had only ever had the poutine in Southern California, I might actually believe that. Because there's just not a lot of good poutine in in this region of the world, so I understand why you might be so delusional to think that. But if you've had the real deal, you wouldn't even think that for a second. That's all I'll say. I'll walk away now. Put the mic you, back down. Yeah, you you uh, you give up your time. You know, it's just there's a lot of hate out there. There's also a lot of irrational love for Del Taco. Like, it's not irrational. I've had Del Taco. I've tried it. I've tried every item on the menu. That's I've a lie. I've talked with executives there and employees. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I mean, have, I mean that actually. I know. I know. You 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 one hundred percent have talked to someone. I can guarantee that. That's well, what I'm saying. An employee executive. That's what I'm saying. And so, like I like, there's just nothing special about it. It's the most mediocre thing I've ever had. I do not understand the hype for this place. I just fundamentally don't. And now Jake just Jake just wandered off. Oh, bringing the cat over. You know what? It, at the end of the day, everybody has just that incredibly wrong take. And this is yours. <laughs> and you've leaned into it. And I respect that. It's not wrong, though. Like, the love is so misplaced. <laughs> the love is so... Like, you can say, like, okay, I like it. It's decent, whatever. But it's not great. It's just not. Look, let me end on a good food take that all three of us agree on. In and out is great. Well, yeah, sure. We all I agree mean, on that. Yeah, water is wet. Salem, do yes. you agree? <laughs> Salem agrees. Hi, oh, Salem. What's your What is your favorite Del Taco menu item? We need we. Oh, do you feed her? If you feed her Del Taco, <laughs> I'm calling Animal Control or PETA or whatever whatever the organization is. 
Roxy. Then what do you think? She's you she's think? leaving that home if you've if she's had to eat Del Taco. What do you think? That is animal cruelty. Okay, we should probably wrap up. Yeah, <laughs> I'm flustered. I'm flummoxed. <laughs> I've never been th- I've never been this upset on a on a podcast. He has um, been hoodwinked, bamboozled. Yeah, led see, look, Dalton Key's in our chat. Thank you. The silent majority finally speaking up. I've never actually met someone who thinks Del Taco is great. I I know a bunch for some reason. It's really frustrating. I feel like I'm surrounded by enemies. <laughs> okay. Heel um, Felix has appeared. It's <laughs> that this was a master class of a promo, by the way, from Felix, a heel promo of insulting uh <laughs> insulting something that's beloved by the fan base, trying to get heat. As uh, as uh, CJ and I are the baby faces here, <sighs> I'm just I, I'm I'm there's I'm I feel the anger just seething through me right now, just coursing through me. <laughs> okay, we should we should wrap up. Felix was on MJF levels. <laughs> I don't know what any of this means. I I know. Hey, Odiflo <laughs> says you're in the Jericho Appreciation Society. Like, here's the other thing I don't understand. Here's the other thing I don't understand. <laughs> we were all set to end. We're, we're like just, 20 minutes on this. I just want to oh. say this. I just want to say this. Why? Okay. Del Taco's not that great, right? Like we, we, we fundamentally agree it's mediocre food, but there's not like as much as I like Taco Bell, like there's not that much difference between the two. And yet, no, the, there's the, a big difference. And yet the Del, the Del Tacoites, the Del Taco people they think there's this huge gap between the two. Like if there I is. put, if I gave you a Del Taco taco and a, and a Taco Bell taco side by side blindly, like, I don't think you could tell me which one is which I could. I don't think oh, you I could. could too. I could. No. You know what? I also don't order the regular tacos. All the Del Taco, all the Del Taco supporters were starting a new religion, supporting Taco Bell. We meet our service is every Tuesday on Taco Tuesday at the Taco Bell at the at the Del Taco headquarters, come meet us. We'll show Felix what's up. It's just come on, guys. We can do better. We can do better than Del Taco in, in twenty twenty two. Um, all right. Well, on that note, tough go, tough way go to get go. Get some out here. Del, go get some Del Taco. <laughs> so, if you've enjoyed our show today and you want to keep supporting us and help us keep this thing going. There are a few ways for you to do that. Uh, the number one way is to check out our Patreon page. Go to patreon.com slash crash the pond. And for $1 a month, you get access to our patrons only discord server. It's so much fun. You get to join a thriving community of diehard ducks fans. And yes, we do have a food channel. So you get to be privy to some of these insane food debates slash takes. Uh, it's, it's just so much fun. And that's for $1 a month for $5 a month. You still get access to the server on top of two bonus episodes where Jake and I, and sometimes CJ will go more in depth on league wide topics, do more, uh, in depth ducks topics, stuff that maybe we don't have as much time to talk about on the show. And then you can also make a super awesome, super appreciated pledge of $15 a month. Now, you don't have to pledge any monthly amount, though, to still support us. You can search for us on Apple Podcasts. Just search for Crash the Pond and leave us a rating and a review, and we'll read it on the show. We love to hear from you guys. Those are really, truly appreciated. You can find us on all the uh, podcasting platforms. We're on Spotify. Leave us a rating there. Subscribe to us on YouTube, youtube.com slash Crash the Pond. Jake posts the video version of the show there. You can see our faces and uh, Salem the Black Cat, as well as 
whatever else happens to appear on screen during the show. See what kind of hat Jake is wearing. See what kind of attire Jake is wearing. Jake basically carries all the entertainment value of the show from a visual perspective. My little Dan Danhausen uh, micro brawler. Don't know what that is. Don't know what that is. Um, but yeah, there you go. Uh, and so the fires on YouTube and also make sure to check out uh, our website, crashthepond.com. Got articles going up there. Crashthepond.com slash shop. You can actually get some really cool t-shirts with our great logo, both eggplant and jade and orange and black version. We've got coffee mugs now, stickers. Uh, so if you get any of those, uh, tag us on Twitter at crashthepond. We're also on Facebook. CJ's on Twitter at CJ Woodling. Jake is on Twitter at Reindeer Games 91, and I'm on Twitter at Felix underscore Sicard. That is going to do it for us tonight, guys. Thank you so much for listening, and we will talk to you next week. Have a good one. Bye. Yeah.